Welcome back to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here as always with A.J. Torres, my co-host. We are back after the Thanksgiving break, and that NFL slate has given a lot of people some things to be thankful for. Deshaun Watson was certainly thankful to face the Lions secondary. The Lions were thankful that Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn were shown the door, and... Steelers might somehow back into a win after all this nonsense with their game. And the Washington defensive line was pretty thankful that day, too. But we'll start out with some news out of the Texans, specifically pertaining to their receiving core. Will Fuller, who caught two touchdowns in his Thanksgiving performance, has been suspended for the rest of the season for PED use. As well as Robbie. And this is going to carry into the first game opening week of next year when they sign with the team. So if the salary cap stays the same, there's some people I think it goes down. I think the suspension will hurt his value a little bit, but that's just me. But he stayed healthy this year, and we shall see. But uh, it seems like he's eager to come back to the Texans. Yeah, it might happen. But I've also heard if he leaves in free agency, there's a good chance the Texans could get a third-round compensatory pick when he signs with with another team. So they may not be as incentivized to bring him back. I understand why, but at the end of the day, I've also been... uh, viewing uh the the tankatron and such but uh they definitely need a wide receiver now cobb and cooks i mean if both of those are healthy i mean good but everything else down the line fells is getting up there with age and then there's a, a wide receiver who's just getting up from the practice squad and they can't physically practice because of these covid guidelines so it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out. And right now, as far as the wide receiver position, you might as well put a running back in the slot. Yeah, I feel like that's actually something Duke Johnson could do well for them. Uh, precise uh, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, He caught that... the ball very well. Yep. C.J. Procise, that was a name I had not heard in a long time. Oh, yeah. But we all know what happens when it's just like, oh, we haven't heard that name in a while. I'll give you a good example. example. Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. Outside of this year, when's he ever been impact? He's had hype, but he hasn't had impact. When does he have an impact? Ironically, when he's due for a contract. Hmm. Yep, that happens quite a lot. Oh, yes. And, hey, I I would, too, if I could be a millionaire. That's true. I think teams should probably be leery of paying him for that and his injury history. Oh, absolutely. The guy's one more concussion away from being in a retirement home. Yep, that tends to happen. Now let's address the ongoing saga with this Ravens-Steelers game. So, at first it got delayed until Sunday after the Ravens 
had a few cases, and then it was reported Lamar Jackson had it, and then yep. the game got moved to Tuesday. Now it's scheduled to be played tomorrow at 3.40 Eastern time, which is something I utterly don't understand. It disgusts but, me, man. And so what's your take on all this? Because, as you can imagine, I hate this. I mean, this just seems so hypocritical to me when you look at the fact they have moved the Ravens game nearly a week back, but then you had the Broncos' entire quarterback room gets it, they're all sent home, and the league tells them, you play the Saints anyway. Just like, I don't get it. I mean, uh, also, there's a couple of things. Apparently, uh, I actually just saw this, right, off uh, NFL.com. The Broncos QB's lock, uh, Ripian, and Bortles taken off the COVID list. So apparently what happened is Driscoll, I'm not sure if he's positive or whatever the case may be, apparently they uh, got in the same room with him, talked to him, basically being like, hey, dude, you're all right. Something in that nature. So what happens is that means all four quarterbacks now are exposed and the guy off the practice squad, now mind you, did he play a horrible game? Yes. But all that guy did was sat in, at a computer or a laptop, maybe his phone even. He basically sat down at a place, reviewed the playbook, had the coach and the coordinator speak to him a bit. And that guy, that guy didn't get any, any warm-ups or any reps until he basically put on the uniform. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what happens after this, but... Considering the circumstances, and this is, of any situation of being thrown to the wolf, I can't think of anything worse than this. All considering then the Saints' defense, I think, is uh, on the good side. Give him a lot of credit. Yeah, he went out there and he, he did the best he could with what he had provided, which was not good at all. <laughs> Yes. Although, as far as the Ravens game, apparently, uh, last time I checked, I want to say this was early in the week, out of the 53-man roster, I'm pretty sure it's just the main roster, I think, the practice squad and showing up or whatever, but apparently the number I heard was 20. 20 positive cases, and they were, like, I, I'm not, I think they were players. So, 20 positive players. Right. I... F- so last if that's I rem- the case, that's a freaking lot. Yeah. Like, last I know num- Des Bryant got signed to the roster, and I know that was probably part of that. But, I mean, the fact that you got RG3 starting again, I mean, this just says a lot. Yep. We'll see how long he lasts against TJ Watt. He might be out by the second quarter. I have What's another busted I mean, RG3 just, RG3 just fits that system. You built that whole entire system around Lamar Jackson. Your backup is RG3. This is a designed offense that's rush-heavy and designed for the quarterback to run. At least that's what it should be. RG3 fits the bill. He's a mobile, scrambling quarterback, just like uh, Lamar. I'm not comparing the two. I mean, I think that's an apple to a watermelon, but... RG3 just fits. Any Anyone else, like if you put in somebody else there, I mean, you could say, uh, you know, let's say P.J. Walker or somebody, right? 
I just don't know about PJ's leg, so I can't I can't comment. Yes. Well, my point was RG three might have another knee injury by the second quarter. I mean, I don't hope that happens, obviously, but I'm just like, this dude has had so many injuries. I don't know how he's still in the league, personally, but good on him. Still getting that moolah. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know if... So, Lamar has COVID, Trace McSorley has COVID... If RG3 goes down, I don't know what they do next. Uh, If I had to assume anything, I mean, granted, the Broncos ran the wild card a lot with uh, Philip Lindsay. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I have no idea what else, really. Not only that, but with everything going on, (laughs) uh, it just makes me keep thinking about the 2021 uh, quarterback class. Yeah, that's an interesting group right there. Everybody knows about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. A lot of people know about Trey Lance, but Kyle Trask from Florida, he's really come on this year. Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones had seen some action last season, but obviously he wasn't the starter when Tua was there. Correct. I was actually looking at it, and uh, now with uh, Tankathon, it makes it a lot easier. But if we had to go to that, right? Now, just keep this in consideration. Uh, I actually looked at Matt Stafford's contract, and remember when people said, uh, oh, trade for him, and they're like, hey, but that contract is massive. After this year, there's only two more years, and it's done. Not as bad as you think. Everyone, I think, keeps thinking that there's three or four more years to go on this. This isn't a baseball contract. Right. But I'm actually looking at the draft. If we go by just the... Let's go the top. Let's go uh, 16, okay? So half. Okay. So if I go... uh, to say if these teams need a quarterback or not. Some are obvious, so let's just go down the line. You ready? All right, yeah, let's go. Jets. Definitely. Jaguars. Um, Two months ago, I might have said no, but now I'm thinking they probably do. I know we've kind of debated this before. We, You think maybe you got something with Minshew. But also I should make the note that Dave Caldwell has been fired, the GM of the Jags, and Doug Marone has not been fired yet. And I wonder if Shad Khan just has has Marone there to lose games, much like the reason Adam Gase is still in New York. I will say, though, the Jags are the best 1-10 team in history. That is true. They I mean, they do every compete. Every single game this year, and th- that one win was against the Colts, right? Correct. And that is when we're thinking, Philip, what are you doing? And after that, every single game has been close. 
You want to say the Browns, you want to say whatever team, every single game has been close. Best 1-10 team in NFL history. Moving down the list, Bengals. No. No, because they got Burrow, right? Dallas. Jerry says that Dak is the guy, so we're going no, right? At this point, yeah, I have to presume. Growing up near Dallas all my life, I've seen how Jerry Jones works. I can't see him letting Dak get away. Chargers. Herbert nope. might be a rookie of the year. That can't. That's not it. Philly, they got Hurts, and he sees to, well, know the playbook. They play him for like two plays in one game maybe, which is pointless to me. I think he needs reps at this rate. So I'm assuming no for the Eagles. I would too, yes. All right, this is where it gets questionable for the next couple. Number seven, Panthers. Ooh. See what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know they signed Bridgewater uh, to a... If we're going uh, the two big guys, right, we know who they are. It's Lawrence and Fields. So if they do pick quarterbacks for the number one and two spot of Jets and Jags, so we're going who else is in that top five or six of the quarterback class. So let's say those guys are off the board. Do we go Panthers? Do they pick a quarterback? Does Matt Rule like Teddy and P.J. Walker? Or is he going to go, you know what, I want to draft my own guy? That's a great question. With Bridgewater, I know they signed him to a three-year deal, but they could get rid of him after this year without much penalty. And obviously, Rule has had some high praise for Walker, whom he coached at Temple. I am I know he looked good with the Houston Roughnecks and the XFL. Walker, it's just really hard for me to judge. I agree. I I'm going to tentatively say that the Panthers would be out on a quarterback, and they could potentially trade down because they have some trade other down, needs, really. too. I understand, and they drafted all defense this year. As far as the new ownership for Carolina, if you look at him buying out Matt Rule's contract itself, that just means, listen, whatever's best is whatever's best. I mean, let's just be real. The NFL, for the most part, I mean, this isn't like the biggest market team out there, but I don't think he's losing money by any means. So we go to the next pick. Now, mind you, this is just, this is as of December 1st, Washington. Do they draft a quarterback? Yes. Ah, I'm thinking the same thing. So, so far of what we said, three quarterbacks throughout eight picks, the top eight are drafting quarterbacks. That's the Jets, that's the Jags, that's Washington. Right. Okay. Nine. Lions with Stafford having two years left. Are we pulling the Jordan Love or are we keeping it cruising? I think that's going to depend a lot on who ends up taking over as their coach and as their GM. One thing I wondered, how about Jim Harbaugh to take over as the Lions coach? He and Michigan don't appear to be getting along well anymore, and it would be a fairly short move to go from Ann Arbor to Detroit. 
And I've been calling that for months. I mean, everyone's been saying it for months now. Harbaugh, I understand that he lives in Michigan, loves it there, but I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of looking at right. Would Detroit seem to be there? Yeah, but as far as a career killer, the Lions are a career killer. Have all the opportunities opening up, and some soon to be opening up. Some people think that the Jags is going to be up for grabs. Uh, I'm not sure about the Bengals' job. The Chargers' job might be up in the air. They're saying that the Eagle job, depending on how this year pans out, Detroit's vacant, Atlanta's vacant. We got Houston, or as they say in New York, Houston. He's got a lot to pick from. I'm just not sure. Like, I have heavy doubt that it's not that. I just don't see Harbaugh in uh, the lime blue. Well, the upside to that would be obviously not far of a move. You already have a quarterback there, and like I've said, Harbaugh seems like a guy who can come in, turn things around really quickly, but he doesn't seem to last really long because... Remember in San Francisco, he had that surge in his first year, went to the Super Bowl, lost to Seattle in the 13 NFC Championship game, then just bottomed out after that and left the team after four years. And I think it was because... The ownership in GM was terrible as well, if you ask me. Yeah, he didn't seem to get along with them too well, and after all that, he was done. He wants to win. Harbaugh's not a tanking guy. He goes, listen, I'm here to win. Well, I mean, that is definitely true. But, I mean, also then look at Michigan. He First couple years, he had them back in the top ten, and now he is not doing too well. You can blame it on recruiting. You can blame it on shorter offseason, but everybody's dealing with that. I just think, you know. Absolutely. He is an intense coach, to say the least, and. I yes, think he's a guy that can it. get in there, he gets results, but then he just his act kind of wears out. And th- the thing yeah, with the Lions right. is just that you got a quarterback already there. You could bring Harbaugh in, see if he can get you to contend next couple years with Stafford at the helm. And honestly, I might rather roll the dice on him in the short term then take my chances on someone who's never been a head coach, like Eric Bieniemy or someone like that, because obviously with first-time head coaches, you never really know. Correct. And you also got to look at who they're working with. Like, if you look at the last couple of years, right, Eric Bieniemy has been working with a top-five quarterback in football the last couple of years. The last three years, Mahomes has been a top-five. And that's at him being at his bottom peak, him being at the top peak. Some people think he's number one, but depending on how you rank him now, I'm just going to say top five to make it more arguable for some people. But his MVP year, the year after that, Super Bowl winner, and we got this year. Top five the last three years, correct? Correct. So we got to take that into account. And also, we got to look at the other 
Andy Reid protégés. Recent one, Matt Nagy. How's that working out? Not well. Ron Rivera, there's people that love him, but there's some people that think he's a little overhyped. Let's keep that into account. Let's just level head here and not talk to him like he's got the highest ceiling and the biggest hope out there. And I hope I hope he does well by all means, but we also got to take our precautions. Right. I think Rivera's a pretty solid coach, personally. He's not in the Bill Belichick or Andy Reid level, but he is a good coach. He's won pretty much everywhere he's gone. I If I had to put those guys you just mentioned, i put them Tier 1. I'd put Riverboat Ron in Tier 2, and I think Agreed. that's fair. Highest at Tier 2. Yeah, I agree. So, moving on to the, the next... Uh, three I have here on uh, Tankathon. Atlanta, which I don't see because Matty Ice has two more years on the deal. Miami has their quarterback that they tanked and drafted for. And number 12, here's where it gets interesting. Does Elway go on to the another drawing board quarterback list? You know, at this point, I think he might. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> yep. And 13 is Chicago, which... Oh. Ugh. <laughs> Whose career are we going to ruin? I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of people in Chicago that are going to have a really hard time swallowing their pierogies on who's going to be the quarterback of the Bears in 2021. That's Anthony Kay. That's everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty much stuck with Foles for another year, but they can't possibly think of him as their starting quarterback. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, I think, is gone uh, next year because oh, he you, is. Didn't, uh, you didn't exercise the option. You had him start one game. Now, mind you, the Green Bay defense has been solid this year, and with no preparation, no practice allowed, once again thrown him to the wolf. He hasn't had live action in how long? A Months? long time. Months. So you threw this guy to the wolf. Expected better, and you got zilch. Way to go, Chicago. And I have no idea if that was a naggy decision, if that's a GM decision. I don't care if it's combined. To anybody involved in that decision, knowing what is going on. If you're going to put all that pressure on him and talk him down, shame on you. I mean, just seems like they can't make up their mind. Personally, no. I think that at the start of the year, Nagy wanted Foles to earn the job, but he didn't. And then Trubisky went out, he struggled, then Nagy looks justified. It's like, well, Trubisky's struggling, so now I'm going to put in my guy, Foles. And then he puts Foles in, he leads the comeback over the Falcons, gives him some... Foles earned himself some grace, 
with that five and one start. Now it all has hit the fan and they're all just staring up the ceiling like, oh no, what's going on here? And that's why Matt Nagy right now, right, regardless of the uh, the Allen Robinson contract, which kind of died down for some odd reason. Have you noticed that, like, after a month, everything got quiet and we don't know why? Yeah, it's interesting. Weird, right? Definitely. Then they're like, oh, we're winning. Okay, now we're losing. Matt Nagy's seat is... It's so warm, you might as well put it in a giant soup pot and start stirring him with a ladle. I mean, come on. We thought they were going to be okay. We thought that they were going to be, you know what? The games were close, win or loss, whatever. Now, granted, the Packers are a great team. Last year, they were one game away from the Super Bowl. We get it. The Packers are good. But it shouldn't have been that much of a blowout. You laid down for them. And Khalil Mack can't do it by himself. I mean, that guy took a lot of snaps. It's true. That defense just probably has to be be like, what can we, what more can we do here? Maybe they should bring back William Perry. Bring William Perry back. Maybe they'll get some offense. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just kind of like what they said it uh, for quite a while now. The following names of Brady, Mahomes, and Rodgers don't play both sides of the ball. Tis true. Heading into that draft, we got Minnesota at 14. I think that they're locked in at the quarterback position. But where it gets interesting is the Patriots and the 49ers. I mean, there's a rumor of Zach Wilson going to the Niners or Sam Bradford being drafted to be backup. There's been a... And New England, anything could happen. I mean, Stidham still hasn't gotten a solid shot. I don't know why. Bill Belichick speaks high of him. Like, I have no idea what in the heck is going on. Hold on just a minute here. Did you say Sam Bradford earlier? He's been retired for years. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Jared Stidham. I'm I'm sorry. I had a brain fart. Wow. That was bad. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jer- yeah it, was, it was Stidham. I'm so, I am so sorry. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I can't help but laugh at myself there. But, yes, Jared Stidham that he speaks high on. Where is he? How come he hasn't played? Maybe he's just not very good and Bill's just towing the company line, saying, oh, all our quarterbacks are good options and all that jazz. Still, So do you see him drafting a quarterback? I mean, there's some people that say it's not the Patriot way, but if you remember a couple years ago, right? You know James White has been a Patriot for X amount of years. Rex Burkhead they seem to find in the parking lot. We have Damian Harris, again, a guy that seems like he came from a random place, came out of nowhere. They drafted Sony Michelle with their first-round pick, a running back. Now, granted, it seems like after week three, he hit the IR and he's disappeared off the face of the earth. That's but true. that made no sense to the Patriot way. 
it's like your running back position has been productive, hasn't cost you much, and there's other needs. Why'd you draft a running back? Where's your wide receiver? I'm sorry, but if you're saying that with Edelman hurt, your best receiver is what? Is it Bird? Because Nikhil Harry is garbage, your other first-round pick from not too long ago. Yeah, or Isaiah Ford, the guy they acquired from the Dolphins. But also, with Damian Harris, I'm pretty sure they got him out of Bama in the first or second round not too long ago. Wait, so, that's another that's another high round running back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. I I gotta look that up right now. I, I mean, I. Oh my god, I, I'm gonna have to find myself uh, an early bedtime tonight if I keep slipping up like this. That's like two in two minutes. It happens to the best of us, but regarding the 49ers. I don't know if they want to go through the pain of drafting and trying to develop another rookie quarterback. Because considering how built to win they are right now, I honestly wonder if Jimmy G is truly their best option. And he's proven he can win. Mm -hmm. I don't think he can carry a team on his own, but he is good enough you can win with the guy. I mean, is there a question of an injury-prone thing? Because um, when I did my quarterback rankings uh, before the season started, I got with uh, Matt Keimer, and he was wondering why Jimmy G did not crack the top 10. And I said he has only had one year underneath his belt where he was not hurt. As in, hey, he's only had one year he completed throughout a full season. Because there was trade to the 49ers, did very well. Mm-hmm. Third game, he blows out his knee against the Chiefs. Yep. He comes back, finishes the year, and look at this year. Injured again. Ankle. It's true. So he's only had one year underneath his belt, essentially. One full year. Yeah. This would be technically, what, his fourth season? Playing, that is. Not being a bench, but playing. Yeah, that sounds about right. We got we got the year he was traded, one. Mm-hmm. Blows out his knee, two. Last year completes it. This would be his fourth playing year. Yeah, he also got hurt after a couple of games when he was filling in for Brady during the deflate games suspension. Yeah, yeah. He got I mean he got roughed up, but at the same time you just need to last uh X amount of games and Bray was coming back. Oh yeah. also uh I looked into it. It was last year, third pick, eighty seven overall for uh that's uh Damian Harris. But that still didn't make sense because just uh not too long ago prior, Sony Michelle, first round. Why? It was probably a best player available sort of thing. Want to have depth, multiple running backs. You have a guy that could have been an early second round talent sitting there in the third round. I think, you know, you take him. I don't question I thought that. It'd be so- I thought it would be something else. I mean, I thought it would have been, uh, I mean, running back has not been their weakness. I mean, best player available, I mean. At that point, don't you rotate offensive linemen or see if there's a pass rusher? I mean, this is the best coach of all time here. 
I just didn't think that that was a, I just don't think that's a smart move personally. Well, he may be among the best coaches. It doesn't mean he's among the best GMs or best drafters. Definitely hasn't drafted wide receivers. Definitely not. Outside Edelman, who's starting to give, I'm starting to put everything together as borderline Hall of Famer. But outside that, none. And everything else was uh, trades and uh, acquired pieces. Like, I think Wes Welker was an acquired piece, stuff like that. Yeah, they traded for him. But I guess with all these quarterbacks that you've mentioned, do you think that a team would move up to take one of these guys in the top five? Let's presume that Lawrence and Fields go 1-2. But then, do the t- does the team that hold the number five pick try and trade down of course then again if it's the chargers well teams would call their bluff on that because they know they wouldn't do that but then again you might have horrible at bluffing too yeah the other thing is the only thing that would save them would be if other teams get in a bidding war for that pick because they want to make sure they get trey lance with that pick presumably gotcha now, my thought is, right, I think that the Jets are getting that number one pick. Uh, you could It's starting to get to the point where I think that you could almost tattoo it on you. Just about, yeah. We're, we're almost at that, at that time. Jacksonville, I really don't know. I could see them taking it, but if they're going to reevaluate the year and if they get a new head coach in, I think they're going. I think one of the things like uh, we could never, honestly, not think of what happens in these uh, interviews. But if I'm an owner and I'm going, all right, Chief, you got the second overall pick of the 2021 NFL Draft. Who are you picking? Tell me, and where do we go from here? If he says quarterback, you got to figure out between the Glenn contract, where Lutton goes, and what you do with Gardner Minshew. Minshew, I assume that you're going to be trading for probably a fourth or fifth round pick. Sounds about right. I mean, that, that sounds about right. And plus these last minute deals, right? If it's the regular off season before the draft, the value is higher. If you're trying to get this done for a draft pick, the value is just simply down because you're trying to make moves and get things going. So... As far as number three goes, the Bengals owner is old school. I actually found out uh, from Dunlap that he had a problem with a lot of the coaching staff, and I think that was the main reason why he got out of there. So we're wondering when, uh, you know, the Bengals don't trade much. You know, the, the Brown family is very old school. And we, remember, we were kind of wondering how did Dunlap get out of there, but A.J. Green didn't. Yep. When you have a problem and you start to make your case, you point the finger, and it's known by the fans, it seems like, uh, it, seems like it was going to happen. Dallas, uh, I see them taking probably the best offensive lineman available. I really do. The only team out of the top 10 I see trading back for 
Washington, definitely not. Uh, Carolina, definitely not. The Eagles, I mean... Listen, as far as the quarterback problem goes, I think you... you I mean, you picked Hurts. I mean, the third round. I, or, or was it the second round they picked Hurts? I think it was the second round. Yeah, second round they picked Hurts. It's, it's, come, it's come to me. So... When you take a quarterback that high, you're not drafting another quarterback two years in a row. If you do, you don't know how to run things. You don't. I think they're going to, with all the injuries they've sustained, I think they're going to take something. I'm kind of leaning towards best player available. I don't really have like a key thing that they would need, per se. But uh, I could see the Chargers moving back. And now the top 10, that's probably the only one because I don't see Detroit pushing it back. They need a lot, but not going to get quality. We don't know who the GM's going to be. Are we Are we really going to have a new GM say, you know what, let's trade back the ninth overall pick? What, to swap picks and get another third round? I don't think so. So I just see the Chargers would be the only team that would trade that spot. That's just me. Maybe. With the need of offensive linemen, I think Panay Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon, he might go pretty high. I think teams are going to covet him pretty drastically. Who would you say has the third overall pick right now? The third overall pick right now, and I'm pretty sure it's going to stay there, is the Bengals. Right. And this is a team that, as I said, they don't trade their players. They don't swap picks. They do this really by the book, and they're not a free agent destination either, really. No, they're not. Well, with Joe Burrow getting hurt and taking a beating this season, I think they might stay where they're at and take Sewell with their third overall pick because – they want to have someone to protect Burrow when he comes back in 2022. Also, if you look at somebody uh, similar, it would be the next guy in line as far as offensive uh, linemen go. They, uh, I'm on uh, WalterFootball.com. They are high on uh, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle for Alabama. Six mm-hmm. foot six, three thirty-two. I'm sorry, three twenty-two. Also projected to go in the first round. Right. Sewell's projected to go in the top sixteen. I think he's going in the top ten. Oh, no doubt about it. Easily, easily. I think he might be top five, because my thought is, depending on where the Cowboys land. It's bet- it's like, hey, Sewell, do yourself a favor. I hope you like the color blue because you're going to be in either Dallas or L.A. Or get ready for orange and black because number three to Cincy, like I said, it could happen. If no, you need her. I, did, I, I didn't even think about that. That's the number one priority. Oh man, that that that's gonna be that's gonna be awful. But at the same time, I have no idea when Burrow's gonna be back. I mean, 2021. I mean, he's gonna want to compete because it's in his blood. We shall go from there. 
What doesn't Cincinnati need at this point? I guess you could say a quarterback, <laughs> somewhat ironically. Besides quarterback and uh, running back, I mean, the wide receiver core looks okay. Tight end, I mean, I think that's a throwing piece these days. Yeah. But you need to redo your pass rush. Your secondary needs work. Really, the whole defense needs work. Kind of does. And the offensive line, we, we set it for months and months and months and I said, God forbid this guy gets hurt. And sure enough, this is the worst knee injury I think I've ever seen a player go through. Ever. Yeah, it's just a really bad situation there. And if you saw him, did you see him get carted off the field? I did. So... Let me answer you this, and I know this has been said and asked by a lot of people. Is Joe Burrow, for having a straight face, he tore his ACL, his MCL, and has structural damage to his knee. He sits on that cart with a straight face. Is that man the toughest SOB in football? Well, he's got to be up there, that's for sure. I I think that's a yes. There's a lot of tough guys out there. So it's hard for me to say. One thing I will say about this draft, though, if you need a receiver, you're in luck this time. Because you got Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, SEC guys, Ronald, or Rondale Moore from Purdue... He's kind of come had a coming out party this year, been really productive. You have Devontae Smith, also from Alabama. What is it with Alabama and all these receivers they produce? It's crazy. You know, it, it, that's just been a thing because if you're a member, you remember who the last two were, right? Yeah, Judy and Ruggs. You also had Julio Jones that came out of there. Yep. It's nuts. Although I will say, what happened to – I understand Judy because of the quarterback situation. Could somebody tell me, this guy, I'm sorry, isn't he supposed to be the fastest out of the wide receivers drafted? Anyone got binoculars, radar, anything? Where has Henry Ruggs III been the last couple of weeks? Well, you could ask ask that about the entire team in, in Atlanta on Sunday. Well, that's that's for certain. That's for absolute certain. But I just remember, I'm like, okay, this guy is, because if you remember, against Kansas City, the first game, he's got two catches for 118 yards and a touchdown, and you're thinking, wow, this guy's just burning people. Even him just running the routes, he has made impact. But mm-hmm. then it's just like, oh, the foot, oh, this. What is going on with him? Like, the second game against Kansas City, one target for one catch, five yards. Against Atlanta, five targets, three catches, 56 yards. Okay, that's not too bad. But then, okay, the Chargers, three targets, no catches. Cleveland, four targets, two catches, eight yards. Tampa, 
Three targets, two catches, 35 yards. It seems like he was great to begin. It's like, why'd he fall off a cliff all of a sudden? Did they figure him out? Are they, you know, because usually on these speedy receivers, and you saw it on Tyreek Hill when he went off, you know, three touchdowns, well over 200 yards, backflipping in the end zone. Wasn't that coverage extremely soft? Like, oh, you might as was. well grab him a pillow, too. And and people on commentary need to say this. Tell it as it is. Extremely soft coverage. People play that in speedy wide receivers, and I don't know why. This guy's 40 time is amazing. This guy's a speedster. What's going on? Well, I mean, they might be playing off to prevent themselves from getting beat over the top. But if you're that concerned, then you need to put safety help. Try to jam him at the line of scrimmage. It's just like, I don't know if it's just the Tampa corners just aren't good at bump and run or what was going on. But it was like... You, you mean the uh, you mean the Raiders? Oh, I thought you were talking about this week with the Buccaneers game, but no, I was yeah. I was referring to Henry. I was for listen. Derek Carr looks like he's back, but oh, I yeah. just have a hard time believing that a guy who ran his forty at a four two seven is having a hard time getting open. Does his route running suck? Because that could be coached in a matter of you know just a week or two. You could do footage. I mean. If this guy wants to run, he could do something in his hotel room, something. It's not hard to run inside the house. We we do it as kids. There's something going on here, and I don't like it. Do you put, I mean, do you put this on Gruden? It's kind of hard to say. I know they might be trying to diversify their targets particularly with Waller having such a good year trying to keep guys involved but yeah at a certain point like you had this brand new toy that you got and it's like gotta use it it's perplexing nine games right this is a first round pick wide receiver the first wide receiver off the board in nine games I know he didn't play one because of an injury concern 17 receptions for 312 yards, only one touchdown. That's just not acceptable. Now, touchdowns, I understand that they say they don't like Matt Ryan in the red zone, but this is your first-round pick. There hasn't been any report quarterback issues. If anyone's pointing the finger at what quarterback is bad, this year it's not Derek Carr. It's not. It's not. So what's going on? There always seems to be something happening in Oakland, even when there's not a dire crisis. That just seems to be the turn of the millennia for them. Yeah, and it seemed to follow them to Vegas now. Yeah. Just drama. The fans beat them up in the parking lot again? I don't know. We'll see. The you problem don't have is you responded that, do you? <laughs> well, 
I mean, I know that Raiders fans can be some, somewhat of hooligans, but yeah, why would they go after their own players? I'm not sure that I'm feeling you on that one. Good, good for them. The division sucks because, regardless of everything we're finding out, they're six and five right now. Yeah, but them laying an egg in Atlanta might cost them a playoff spot in a very competitive AFC. Honestly, I'm really surprised that the AFC has turned out to be better than the NFC this year. Because with yes, the NFC, like you got some good teams at the top, like Green Bay and New Orleans, and I guess Seattle. Then Tampa Bay and the Rams are kind of a step below them. After that, it, the conference kind of sucks. Really does. I mean, you got some mediocre teams like the Niners, the Cards. Maybe you could throw the Vikings uh, I, I into that mix. I can't say the Cards. I can't say the Cards, even though they've been a negative trend uh, lately. By the way, I saw that game. Now listen, do I think that Zane Gonzalez missed the kick and it screwed everything up? Yes. But I've been seeing the same thing for the last 20 years, and I am sick of it. I see a Patriot because also the Patriot way is the refs seeing to favor them. Remember there was a conversation of does Bill Belichick and the Patriot get the refs or is it Tom Brady? I saw a couple lates on Tom Brady and Mahomes in that Tampa-Kansas City game, and they weren't called on both sides. That one call, and mind you, right, the guy's going helmet to helmet. My problem is, right, the defender is in the middle of going down and lowering his shoulder. The last second, the person with the ball lowers his head. And you're going to call illegal contact on that. What happens? They spike the ball where he wants it. 50-yard time expires. Yay, Patriots win as time expires. I'm sick of it. See it the last 20 years. Controversial call, shouldn't have been called. They win the game, the Patriot way. I can't call the Cardinals mediocre off of that because that one field goal could be wide. I mean, heck, they're the same as the Rams. I mean, that would be 7-4. and four. The NFC West is a great division, and it'd be closer if the Niners didn't have a ton of injuries. It's true. But after that, the NFC... C least is a doozy. I can't believe the Giants have the best team in my in my opinion right now. I just think that right now they're just playing better, better coaching. We'll see what happens with Colt McCoy going. Still no report on Danny Dimes because he needs more testing. They haven't properly evaluated him and they're not commenting. They're not gonna give anybody insight, anybody hope, false hope, nothing. But if you look at the Vikings, Bears, and Lions, all negative records. Everyone in the NFC East has negative records. The Tampa Bay Bucks, I mean, they're on the good side, but they're 7-5. and five. Falcons and Panthers are mediocre. But that's like you look at the AFC, it's all interesting outside the two teams in the NFC South. And the Bengals. Yeah. Oh, and the Jets, of course, but 
I'm not counting that in that equation. Because if you look at the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, eight wins, seven wins, five wins, that's interesting right there. Yep. Titans and Colts, they're bowing out for the division. Both teams are probably going to make the playoffs. Very interesting. Outside yep. the Bengals, the AFC North, very interesting. Yep. It's a Chiefs division, the AFC West. All those other three teams that could be getting that, it should be eight eight teams for every division. And tomorrow, you never know what might happen. But if there's an eight spot around, if it involves the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, any of those teams playing, it won't be a boring game. Even that's interesting than half of the NFC. Yeah, it's definitely true. We did not think that. I definitely did not. I mean, I thought coming into the year that the AFC would have one, perhaps even two, teams get into the playoffs with single-digit wins. Now it's looking like the NFC is going to have that because you know whoever wins the NFC least is going to be under 500, and then the Cardinals or the Niners or the Vikings, whoever gets that seven seed, probably nine and seven at best. You're right. Yep. Be an interesting final month in the NFL regular season, but let's move on to a different kind of football still within the United States. Haven't talked about MLS yet on this show, but I'll give you a brief rundown of how that season's going. First round of the MLS Cup, we had some interesting contests. FC Dallas and Portland was a 1-1 tie. FCD scored an extra time to force an eventual penalty shootout, and then they advanced 8-7 on penalty kicks. And they'll take on Seattle tonight in the Western semifinals. Also, top-seeded Sporting KC in San Jose had a 3-3 tie, but then Sporting KC advanced 3-0 on penalty kicks. Also had another penalty kick shootout between Orlando and New York City FC, which Orlando moved on with a 6-5 win. And also in the East, you had eighth-seeded New England Revolution topped Philadelphia Union 2-0 in the opening round. Philadelphia had been the best team in the MLS this season, but they were dispatched. New England then defeated Orlando 3-1 in the East semifinal, and they'll take on the Columbus Crew in the East final on December 6th. Columbus Crew was near the top of the MLS most of the season, and I fancy them to move on and play in the MLS Cup final. On the west side, we're going to have tonight, as I said, FC Dallas is going to take on Seattle Sounders. All right. Yep. Seattle's looking for their third MLS Cup title in the last five years. Three out of the past four years, they've seen Toronto FC in the MLS Cup final. Seattle took two of them, and Toronto took one of them. Toronto was knocked out by Nashville, an expansion team in the first round. But Seattle remains. They could get hopefully, their third title Seattle in five. takes it. I mean, that city's kind of, I mean, outside football, 
the other sports just aren't that great, including one uh, relocating. Well, I mean, things might be looking up for the Seattle sports scene, considering that the NHL is going to be coming back, not this season, but the next season with the Seattle Kraken. But, yeah, this this Seattle team is really good, and FC Dallas, they are a very young team. They start three or four teenagers on a regular basis. They do a really good job of developing young talent, but they just can't seem to put it together at the top level. So is it is it the uh, is it the free agents? Is it uh, signing guys with a lot of miles on it, or what do you what do you think it comes down to? You know. A few years ago, FC Dallas did go more for those veteran-type guys, and they were the top seed in the West both in 2015 and 2016. But they lost in the West Final in 2015, and then I think they won the Supporters' Shield with the most regular season points in 2016, but then they got bounced by Seattle whenever the Sounders went on to win their first MLS Cup title. And then I think after that, there was an organizational restructuring. They decided to go on a youth movement after they missed the playoffs in 2017. And then since then, they focused a lot more on developing more young talent. I've watched FCD some, and they just haven't been able to find that key striker at the top, the guy that finishes for them. They're really good on defense and in the midfield but just haven't ever been able to put it all together so last year the Dallas and Seattle met in the first round and I'd say that Dallas gave them the best run for their money in route to the Sounders winning the MLS Cup but I don't know that it happens this time around I fancy Seattle to move on And I think that Minnesota United is going to upset Sporting KC in a couple of days when they play in the other West Semi. Minnesota United is the four seed. They beat Colorado pretty convincingly 3-0 in the first round. And they've just been improving over the past few years pretty steadily. And It's kind of good that they have because they came into the league along with Atlanta United. And in their second season in 2018, Atlanta United won the MLS Cup. And so now Minnesota is in the middle of their fourth season. They're definitely on the ascent. So I so think they're going to. Here's gonna... one for you. Okay. What would be the upset to you this year in MLS? I think it'd definitely have to be New England keeping it going. And if they beat Columbus, they would have beaten the one seed, the four seed, and the three seed en route to going to the MLS Cup. Seattle and Minnesota, I think that would be an interesting matchup, assuming they meet in the West Final. This Seattle team is really experienced and got great quality all over the field. They'll be hard to stop for sure. But, yeah, you can catch the East Final on December 6th, the West Final on the 7th, and like I said, the West Semi between KC and Minnesota is on the 3rd, 
finally culminating with the MLS Cup on the 12th. Now we're going to get to some XFL news. I saw that the league had renewed their lease with Globe Life Park in Arlington. So it does look like in 2022, Dallas will have an XFL team again. That's nice. an interesting development because a lot of people were saying that they were going to go to San Antonio instead when the league reopened. Personally, I think you could have... You could have three teams in the new XFL in Texas, and I don't think anybody sure. would complain because, I mean, Texas, they love their football down there. And yes, they When do. you saw the AAF whenever the San Antonio Commanders played, that stadium was packed. So if the XFL believes that Dallas is a good market and they'll stay there, that's good. But they got to go to San Antonio, a market that doesn't have an NFL team. Also, you figure Houston Roughnecks were doing really good. I think they'd come out for the XFL again. So, Just question for you. Yeah? Why do they call it Dallas when all these stadiums are in Arlington? I guess they just call it Dallas for the Dallas metro area. And also... Fair enough. Because The uh, show Dallas kind of makes it more recognizable. People just associate North Texas with Dallas, so... Naming a team Dallas yeah. just seems more easy. That it that is very true. Uh, I mean, Arlington does have a ring, mind you, but Dallas does have that reputation and that uh, that I guess it's that Texas toughness to it or something around there. I mean, I think you would know. I mean, I'm a Yankee, so you know. But I'm actually very happy that they're staying in the uh, Dallas area. And if you look, uh, I'm not sure if you watched any. Uh, MLB playoffs, but did you see, have you seen uh, the Globe Life Park, like the actual field? Have you seen how big that is? Yeah, I know this is going to be super confusing, but there's a Globe Life Park, which is where the Texas Rangers used to play. Now there's Globe Life Field, where they hosted the World Series this year. Yes. The new stadium, have you seen it? I've not physically been to it, if that's what you're asking, but I've definitely seen some pictures of it. It looks nice. Super My nice. only thought is that I actually thought that that field was intended for other sports as well because you know how, um, now granted, there's a lot of uh, New York Yankee players that said they were not looking forward to the football clubs playing uh, at Yankee Stadium because they were just concerned that it was going to rip up the uh, – turf in the outfield and you know they had an injury prone outfielder at the time so you know how that stuff goes but my only thought is that if you look at the left and right center dimensions i think it's the biggest in major league baseball and center field at the wall is 408 left and right center field at its biggest heaps where you saw all the highlights this postseason Mm-hmm. They're both, I believe, about 410 feet. Yep, sounds about right. Which is huge. That's yep. huge. Enormous. And I, I could actually see them, uh, I could see them playing there. And I, I haven't, uh, I mean, I've seen photos of what it looks like. And, hey, let's go. Let's get some uh, Dallas XFL over at uh, Globe Life. Yeah. 
I mean, is anything else being uh, confirmed yet, or is it just Dallas so far? So far, it's just been Dallas. I'm still interested to see if they bring back, like, the Birmingham Iron and other small market, smaller market AAF teams. Seemed like the Iron had a pretty good following. Would they go back to San Diego with a San Diego fleet from the AAF? I think it would be uh, impossible to keep it, to have it in L.A., personally. At least me. But uh, do you see, uh, I mean, if we go to all the teams, right, as far as all the original XFL teams, do you think any of them are going to go away and start from scratch again? Like, do you see uh, St. Louis Battlehawks? Do you see them going on? Do you see them going forward? I do, considering they had the most fervent fan support in the league. I think they got to go back because St. Louis really is a better football city than people give them credit for. I know that they had the Rams pack up and go back to LA, but Stan Kroenke really screwed them in that I think move. they want I think they want to move back personally. Oh, he did. I don't There's think there no was doubt. a dem- there wasn't a demand where it's like, "Hey, Rams, take your bags and go, buddy." As, yeah. far, as far as the defenders, with everything going on with the Washington football team, I think the defenders are staying. So we agree that football in Texas are just, you know, a love and marriage. I see the roughnecks staying. I mean, if there's anything that probably says, um, if there's any question, it would probably be between the Wildcats and the Vipers. If anything, right? Yeah, it sounds about right. I think Florida probably will get another team. I mean, you had Orlando in the AAF. You had Tampa Bay Vipers in the XFL. Florida is one of the best recruiting places in the the country. Among the best recruits come out of Miami or other areas in Florida, so... You just got to figure that there will be enough demand that some city in Florida will have an XFL team in 2022. It just it's has just to hard happen. To, it's just hard to go by which part of Florida. Miami, you're always going to have something booming. But that's just True. like if you go to Tampa, Tampa is always inconsistent. If we go by, you know, they have Jacksonville, also inconsistent. So you got to find out which place is next. So if any team is in jeopardy, I would think it's probably Tampa Bay. But that's just me. Like the New York Guardians, let me tell you something. There was a lot of people around here. You're always going to compare the NFL and whatnot. But I had plans to go to the New York Guardians game until COVID hit. I was literally, it's just weird because with those tickets starting at 35 hours, for the great seats costing $75, which at a Jet or a Giant game would cost 300 and change, I had to go. I was going to go there and, hey, you know what? It's warming up. It's not going to be freezing. I was planning on having the time of my life, but COVID got involved. Yep. It's one of those things that happens. Unfortunately. Yep. 
Now we're going to go across the pond just for a rundown, some European action. Today we had some more Champions League results, and once again, Shakhtar Donetsk shocks Real Madrid, beating Los Blancos 2-0. Madrid now has a really tough chance just to make it out of their group, and Zinedine Zidane has to be feeling the heat as the managerial role. Despite winning three straight Champions League titles in his first stint as Real Madrid coach, I tell you, just after Cristiano Ronaldo left, despite his ability declining, they kind of lost their identity. They still have a lot of really good players in Luka Modric in the midfield, Karim Benzema up top, and they had some young guys like Isco and Asensio that can put the ball in the net, but they just, they're up and down, and despite being a better keeper, Courtois has not exactly fit them the way Kaylor Navis did. Navis has now moved on to PSG, so it'll be interesting. If will, Madrid does not make it that. out of the group, I think there's a decent chance that Zidane gets canned. Mm. Agreed. And by the way, you actually mentioned something yeah. that needs to be said. The football or soccer is the one sport where you get, where, you know, in other sports it's like, oh, I score. Okay, let's keep it rolling. In soccer or football, you can't just say, oh, I score. You gotta do more than that. Yeah, there is a lot of personality involved in the game, and honestly, I kind of like those celebrations. Like we saw it in this weekend's Premier League game with Man United and Southampton whenever Edison Cavani scored the what would become the game-winning goal. He ran out, and all the United players just dogpiled on him, and I thought it was glorious, to be honest with you. Oh, abs- absolutely. That is, that's just glory right there. Nothing else. Yep. Speaking of Man United, they've now won three straight Premier League games, and they have risen up to seventh in the Premier League, and they're still leading their Champions League group ahead of PSG whom they defeated earlier in this Champions League campaign, and they will be seeing again very soon. Edison Cavani is formerly of PSG, so now that he's being used regularly by United, it could be a real revenge game for him. What perplexes me, though, is that Cavani has shown he is easily the best striker that United has. They've got talented younger guys like Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford, who both spent time at the number nine spot, but they do not show the consistency finishing that Cavani has in a very short spell with the club. So I don't know if they just like having Cavani come off the bench as a super sub. Otherwise, why isn't he in the starting lineup? Because I don't think it's a good strategy to have your first half idea be try to grind the opponent down and then send your best scorer on and try to win in the second half. Because they were down 2 nothing in intermission against Southampton. Now, Southampton's been pretty good this year, but 
you'd really think United shouldn't be trailing Southampton at the half. But regardless, three second half goals, they managed to get the three points. But it just seemed uh, really odd. Yes. So uh, how much more did you have for uh, Premier League? Because there's one thing I wanted to bring to your attention. We'll go right ahead. Let's. What do you got on your mind? I received something from the Athletic today, and uh, it is the Premier League clubs are banned from signing international under 18 years old of players under the new uh, Brexit rules. So it says right here, under the new regulations that have been approved by the Premier League and the English Football League, let's see, limited to signing no more than three players under the age of 21 in any single transfer window, meaning no more than six per season. And, let's see, clubs will not be able to sign foreign players until they are 18 under new regulations that will be introduced upon completion of the Brexit transition period, with all signings of European Union nations requiring a work permit that will be allocated on a points-based system. So, we've seen, uh, even when I was a kid, man, when I, you know what I remember, and I just remember being so shocked? When I was a kid, I saw, a can, of all things, it was a Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup commercial, and Freddie Adu was in it, 17 mm-hmm. years old. And I'm thinking, how's a guy who's not even an adult yet, now, I'm kind of looking at this back then, but as a kid, I was just kind of shocked about it. This kid's a professional soccer player and in his own commercial at 17. And you've just said it, how there's been teenagers playing in the MLS. Yep. How it happens. I mean, in Major League Baseball, whether if you're in the Dominican Republic or here in America, I mean, in America, it's rare, but you could get drafted at age 16. Yep. So with that being the case, what does this mean to you? Well, you just brought up teenagers being in the MLS. You see teenagers that play in in Europe all the time, too. It's not unusual because yeah. these guys, these teams have academies and you have these guys sign with a club and then they compete on the under 15, they compete on the under 17, then I think there's under 19 and maybe under 21 too, and then eventually the goal is to get to the the big club, and you know. So is this going to be about a, an academy league that's supposed to be going popular? Well, I mean or, the I academies mean, what, have always what, been the, that way. Well, but as far as I'm just limiting, saying, is this the, for the academy camp- competition? Do you think this hurts clubs? So. With this not being able to go for teenagers, per se, I mean, this could affect some guys like Erling Haaland, Norwegian superstar that currently plays for Borussia Dortmund. He had been offered by some bigger clubs like Juventus and Barcelona, but he chose to go with Dortmund because they had a better developmental team, and then he's gotten some more opportunities to hone his game, and he's doing really well for Dortmund right now. So 
I s- could see a guy like him potentially staying at Dortmund for a little bit, and some of these other wonder kids, they might also stay put. But wrapping up some more of the Champions League action, interesting result out of Group D. We had Liverpool scraped by Ajax 1-0. This has been an overall pretty competitive group with Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta, and then poor Michelin, a team out of Denmark. Just they have been left behind in that group. And then in Group C, we had Manchester City play to a goalless draw with Porto. Now, granted, Porto has been a good club for a long time. It's where Cristiano Ronaldo started. But really, with Man City, you would expect better from them. They've spent so much money, and they've had so many good teams over the last three years, but they just seem like they've hit a wall this year. They're currently 11th in the Premier League, I believe, maybe 10th. And just you got to think Pep Guardiola's seat is getting hot because he was brought in there to win – Man City, the Champions League, and they seem to be going the wrong direction on that quest. But anyways, let's go ahead, let's come back to the States and give our predictions for week 13 of the NFL season. Looks like we're not going to have a game Thursday night because of all the drama with the Ravens that we talked about before. So going to our Sunday starts, first game we got the Saints going to Atlanta. Do you think the Saints make it nine victories in a row? Hmm. Not only that, but I can't believe that the Falcons just made the Raiders completely... I can't believe they just completely shut them down. Now... I didn't think Taysom Hill looked great in his second start. He was essentially just running the ball the entire time. I think the magic's not going to last forever. But I just have a hard time putting my faith in the Falcons. You know what I mean? I mean, regardless of everything going on, does the third 10-win team become the Saints? No disrespect to the Falcons, but I just can't trust them still. One game's not going to change that fact. This is a contending team. This is a playoff team. I got to go Saints. You know, a couple weeks ago, we differed on the Falcons playing at New Orleans. You had the Falcons winning in light of Drew Brees' injury. But I went stuck with the Saints. This time, I'm flipping. I'm going with Atlanta at home. I just, like you said, the magic for Hill is going to run out, and I think the Falcons take it. Next up, we got the Lions at the Bears. Uh, This is a very tough one, especially with a new regime going on. I have no idea who's taking over uh, the Lions' uh, coaching duties right now. I'm not sure who's directing the Zoom calls. The only thing I know is that Matt Stafford is 
quarterback. I have no idea who's going to be the main uh, running back, nothing. So with that being said and the trend having to change, I can't believe I'm saying this on Golden Bears. Well, Daryl Bevel, their offensive coordinator, is filling in as their interim head coach. And How long has he been there? I think this is his first year as offensive coordinator. Uh, and he's been around a long time. There's that. I, and I understand. I'm just trying to go you know. system because he doesn't have any reps because of COVID policies. They're not allowed to physically practice. So with that being said, I think that's a severe disadvantage to him. So I think he's going to have to end up coaching this game on the fly. First year in the system. First year calling the plays. I mean, even though the Bears are an absolute train wreck, that's kind of why I lean towards him. And I hate doing it. Well, we've also seen a lot of teams that get boosts firing a toxic head coach, and I think it's going to happen again. I'm going with the Lions. Next up, large. Next up, we got the Bengals at the Dolphins. <laughs> this is an this easy be, one. This is an easy one. We got to go Dolphins. We don't even know who's going to be quarterbacking. Yep. Next up, we got an interesting matchup in the AFC. We got the eight and three Browns at the eight and three Titans. Hmm. You think the Browns are ready for King Henry? Is anyone? Well, good point. Can they stop? Uh, Tannehill? You know, that is a really good question. Because even though Tannehill, uh, he didn't play bad last week, but if you look at his stat line, you're kind of thinking, wow, really? You got that big contract for this? But at the same time, anytime that you have uh, King Henry score three, it happens. Yeah, I mean, he did what he was you required. You got to put that in consideration. He did more than just the job. He did the job and took the house. I got to go Titans here. I just don't know. Uh, I'm just not sure if that defense will hold up. Yeah, that remains a really good question. There are some games Derrick Henry looks so dominant, you wonder how they'd ever lose a game. But then again, a couple weeks ago when they hosted the Colts, Titans' offense didn't look that great at all. Thing is, the Browns' run defense is actually respectable. They are currently... ninth in the league, allowing 108.2 yards per game. So I don't know if that's just because teams have to throw the ball because they get behind or if, you know, this Cleveland front's actually good. If you have Miles Garrett leading the way, I think that certainly helps in the run defense. But, yeah, I'm going oh, Titans absolutely. as well. 
So if it's 108, so here's here's a, just a fun one for shoots and giggles. Derrick Henry rush yards, plus or minus 108. I'll go plus. I'll go the over as well. All right, what we got for next game? Colts at the Texans. Hmm. I'm actually wondering, because uh, if you remember, I actually for my uh, for my Fanduel, I took Adrian Peterson, and sure enough, the old man crammed it down the throat. Well, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that was the only good thing going for Detroit that game, because I saw the turnovers and all that, and I'm like, why are you giving Carryon Johnson the ball? It, the old man just scored twice. Why are you giving? this schmuck the ball but even though they got two uh, key running backs down for the Colts eh, this is going to be a tough one hate to do this for you but between uh, between the offense still going and the suspensions on the Texans I'm going Colts the wide receiver core is what's uh, making me nervous there as well as the defense yeah, I can definitely see that. Colts are a really interesting team because with their defense, they're capable of beating anyone, and with Phillip Rivers, they're capable of losing to anyone. <laughs> I mean, Rivers can look good at times, yes, but are. other times he just makes you scratch your head at this point. And I, th- I, I think just, more than that. I mean, just looking at how they've played under Romeo Cornell, they're now 4-3 and three with him at the helm. I think... The Texans will throw enough of a wrench in there. Watson's just playing so well right now. I'll take the Texans in an upset. Next game, I'll give you five seconds on this one. Raiders at the Jets. Raiders. Yes. Next game, Jaguars at the Vikings. I think we have to go Vikings here. Yep, give me Captain Kirk in this one. Uh, Next game, we got a crucial showdown. The Rams at the Cardinals. Ooh. I'm going to go Cardinals. Particularly after that last close game with the Patriots. I hope that uh, Coach Kingsbury gets it together and uh, they bounce back. Yeah, this will be a really close game one way or the other. Rams have the fourth-ranked rush defense in the NFL. Granted, may not be a lot of help because the Cardinals throw the ball all over the field. But Rams also have the number three pass defense in the NFL. You got Aaron Donald, who's going to eat against this Cardinals offensive line. Is he capable of holding on to... Slippery Kyler Murray? I don't know. How is that battle between Jalen Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins going to fare? These two saw each other a lot whenever Ramsey was in Jacksonville and Hopkins was in Houston. So there's some familiarity and some contempt. I That could go either way. 
I think yeah, I give it, a little bit to uh, you give a little bit more to the wide receiver because if you it depends on the coverage I think I mean even if you're uh, playing man on him you're gonna give him a little cushion because as I said for some reason the trend is to give him a little bit of cushion because you're afraid to get burned but we shall we should go we shall see I I give Hop a little bit of the advantage but. It's close on paper. Certainly is. It's tough for me, but I'm actually going to go with the Rams in this game. I like McVay more than I like Cliff, so. Both both trying to bounce back from a loss, so I just think McVay will know every play in his mind and dream about them all week and then somehow get it done. Now, next game, this should also probably take about five seconds. Got the Giants at the Seahawks. No Danny Wheels in this game. Give me Seattle all day. I mean, it seems like all the other games that are on, for the most part, are just on the relatively boring end. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Outside outside, uh, the second Monday night game, that is. Let's see. We got Seahawks, Giants. I'm taking Seahawks. And the other ones, I mean, they're just kind of landslides. I mean, we're just getting to that part of uh, the year football. You know what I mean? The Patriots yep. and Chargers. I mean, don't we both think Patriots there? Particularly yeah, we do. With uh, the Chargers not having a, I mean, the finishing problem with the Chargers. I have to take the Patriots there. The Packers versus the Eagles that are a giant puddle of uh, feathers on the ground. You got to take Packers, right? Yep. And now we got my Chiefs at home against the Broncos. Now, apparently, the three of the quarterbacks cleared, uh, you know, they're off the COVID list. Doesn't matter who starts. Isn't that organization in disarray right now? They are. So, it I mean, seems highly unlikely. I got to go with my Chiefs. And now I'm biased. Yep. The Broncos just seem like a mess. Oh, they are. They definitely are. Now we have another matchup that could be more interesting than you'd think. Whenever Washington goes to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Now, I don't know if this game is going to remain on Sunday or if it'll be moved to Tuesday like the Ravens-Cowboys game has, but this Washington team is kind of sneaky good. I mean, their defensive front, they can get after you, and Alex Smith has been steady, and, you know, the Steelers have been uneven at times this year. Granted, they always pull it out in the end, but I think this is going to be a Steelers victory, but ultimately closer than people think. This isn't a wash, yes. Also, I got the schedule in front of me for the NFL Week 13. Mm -hmm. I got scheduled Monday night at 5 o'clock, Washington at Steelers. 5 o'clock is very early for a Monday night game. And then as scheduled in 8-15, that's the next game we got here, Bills at 49ers. And there's a Tuesday night game coming up of Cowboys at Ravens. Let's get to the yep. Bills and 49ers first. 
Yeah, this is actually a Monday night game that I would look forward to. Uncommon matchup, and you know, you got the Bills who are trying to jockey for a position in the AFC. You got the 49ers still kind of fighting for their lives in the NFC playoff picture. So, in San Francisco, I think... Yeah. So, I mean, in San Francisco, I think the Niners will keep it close, but I think the Bills are just too good. I think... I think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, they pull it out. I don't know about with Diggs, per se, because uh, Diggs last week was... Well, last game wasn't really a factor, but they still got the job done. But uh, in this matchup, I like the Bills, and I think the 49ers are going through a lot. I understand they got Mostert back, which was a huge sigh of relief. He's, uh, I think, doing well for a guy that's having knee issues and just fresh off the IR. My only thought is uh, the county in California they are banned from using their facilities. Now, this is not only working for the, I guess as you call it, the 39ers, but the San Jose Sharks are also going to have to improvise as well, the NHL team. So for the next two home games, they're going to be in Arizona, and I'm not sure if they're going to reevaluate or what the case may be. But it will be interesting. I hope it's not one of those, hey, we see if we could find something vacant. Let's have this not be uh, the Toronto Blue Jays of MLB before they got the improvements to Buffalo, if you remember that catastrophe. Yeah, that one was a real headache. But That one, that one could have been an absolute disaster. Yeah, so if it's NFL, just the... If it's just the county, why would they not play in Sacramento or could even go down to San Diego maybe and maybe use one of their stadiums? Or could they perhaps play at where the Raiders used to be? Although I'm sure people would be really excited about that. Santa Clara County. San Francisco playing in the Oakland Coliseum. Isn't that an insult to a lot of people? It could Can be. You just imagine some of the hardcore fans looking at some of the people. Now, I don't think they're allowing fans in the stands. They're not. But could you just imagine, you know, let's say these people are just, you know, God knows wherever, and you see the maroon and gold, and you're they're just looking at them, and they're like, really? You got nerves stepping on this territory. This is Oakland, buddy. Go across the pond, will you? Well, across the bay. You don't want to send them all the way to Europe. (laughs) The bay, rather. Yeah. But anyhow, playing in Arizona just seems a little extreme, but, you know, it is what it is. I have no idea why it was settled there, but if I had to go by conditions, as far as the best field to play on, Arizona's rated the best. Because that they roll the turf out in the sun and they roll it back into the stadium, the Las Vegas Raiders adapted to it. And, yes, they did. You know, I imagine that's nice. But Arizona's been doing this for a long time. 
it's not exactly desert over there compared to Vegas, which I know the temperatures could get to like 120 plus over there. So, hey, it's a plus. I mean, it's a good field to play on. And I'm pretty sure it's a operation facility that's always currently going. Because if the ban happened, right, is it ethical and is it possible to say, you know what? We could have this facility going if none of us sleep by this Monday night. Right. Where if I mean, you bring up a good point San there. San Diego, I just think it's too close. Now, if it was, if we're talking this is around, hey, they say they canceled preseason, or it's like, hey, um, they're scheduling this. What do we do for a backup plan? But this was on the fly. And this was the best they could do on the fly. If they had preparation time, I think... Be now, mind you, there's labor laws. There's materials. And then just to make sure everything passes code, because I'm pretty sure you're going to have people from the Players Association, uh, NFL officials. Where if it's Sacramento, where if it's San Diego, I would need to know the logical time span. Because I know it's not just snap, boom, here it is. So I understand why it's in Arizona. Yeah, and I guess along those lines, having NFL-capable media broadcasting could also be a factor at some of the colleges around the Bay Area or in Sacramento. Uh, but, correct. That's a good That's a good one. I didn't think about that. But yeah, that just correct. came to mind. But anyways, let's go on to our last game of Week 13. Cowboys going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. This is really, really conditional, but I'm going to go with the Ravens right now. Pending they get all their players back, but, you know, if you're starting RG3 or some replacement after he blows out his knee again, I could see the Cowboys potentially pulling an upset, but, yeah, for the time being, i got to go Ravens. There's a lot going on, and even before this COVID crisis, I saw the Ravens completely fall apart. I'm not sure if you did, but I did. I've been seeing this team fall apart. This is a playoff team. This should be close to the division, but no, the Browns are overtaking it. Right now, they feel embarrassed, and with everything going on, everything's slipping away. Some people think it's the playbook. Some people think it's just, uh, you know, uh, coaching or play calls. Whatever the case may be, if you want to say that RG3 and Lamar are essentially carbon copies I mean I get it they have the same kind of play skill set I think RG3 has had a little bit more knowledge because of the experience I have no idea how fast he is per se I think Lamar is probably faster who's the better passer I don't know I'm not sure if Dez is playing ironically I think he will be that'd be pretty amazing though wouldn't it yeah, he actually got in on their game against the Titans. I don't think he, he actually he registered one... a catch, though. I know in one game he registered a catch. Um, I think because of the COVID, 
it was easy to bring him to the 53-man roster because if one guy goes down, and they don't have that, in my opinion, they lack a true number one wide receiver. Oh, they, they definitely do. Tight, they have a phenomenal tight end. Yep. But they thought the number one wide receiver was Hollywood Brown. Eh, don't see it. He's not the guy. Definitely not. If this team's got to go into the draft or they got to go in free agency, if you look at every other position, it seems good at the moment. I would probably say wide receiver and offensive line. See if there's uh, something going on defensively and you build off that. Right. I mean, so cur- are you taking the way th- So are you taking you know, the Ravens I, in this game? It's very hard for me to do so. But I'm going to take Ravens uh now anything could happen between this game that apparently has happened on Wednesday. I should be watching this on my screen right now, but I'm not because the NFL doesn't know how to handle this, but I digress. Well, it'll be on a Tuesday when they play the Cowboys. Yes. Well, I'm just saying the Pitts- the Pittsburgh Raven game, that is. Yeah. I mean, I'm That's still rolling with too. Pittsburgh in that game. But, yeah, against... Oh, I. Yeah. But, yeah, the Cowboys game, which will be played next Tuesday, or at least is scheduled to be. Yeah, real toss-up. Still sticking conditionally with the Ravens, and I think, yeah, you probably are in the same boat. I I just see so many bad things on both teams. Like, uh, we've seen the wide receiver core fall apart. I mean, Thanksgiving Day, when I saw Michael Gallup get a catch, and I'm like, didn't this guy disappear? Like, when's the last, like, outside Thanksgiving, when did Michael Gallup last register a catch? We don't know. I feel like the guy's been invisible lately. It comes down to which team has the less amount of problems. And I hate saying this, but the Cowboys got no pro- got more problems. Is Andy Dalton being lucky right now? Could Zeke hold on to the football? I don't get it. Shady McCoy, who holds it like a loaf of bread... I kid you not, the guy holds the ball like a loaf of bread. He does. People had more confidence in him than Ezekiel Elliott right now. And it might be justified. The fact that Tony Pollard is being fed the same amount as Zeke should bother people. Oh, definitely. The guy that talked so much smack... The guy that had so much hype. Great, my quarterback uh, goes down. You know what? I should be getting more carries to put less stress on the quarterback. What's happening, Zeke? Is this just a down year, hopefully, for Cowboy fans? You better hope so. Especially with that contract he signed. They're kind of married to the guy for the next few years. Jerry married him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we we should we should start saying especially since you're a Texan fan. We should probably we should probably uh go with that phrase from now on. Jerry married him. <laughs> there have Sound been good? less flattering things that I've heard friends say about Jerry Jones, so 
Well, I mean, if you think about it, between uh, what we do and everything else, I think it's just as I think it's just catchy and original instead of slanderish. Touche. Because it's easy to say, "Oh, he's a bum." Well, yeah, him and what five hundred thousand people, right? Well, I've, I mean, I could almost coin flip this, but. I mean, this is kind of crazy, but I guess we both agree Ravens, right? Yep. At least for right now. But anyways, that wraps it up. (laughs) Wraps it up for week 13. Got any other final remarks? My only concern is tomorrow night a special edition of Cross Your Fingers Wednesday Night Football. Now, I'm a Chiefs fan, but I have uh, an uncle, uh, Paul Fauché. If you're listening to this right now, Uncle AJ says, uh, I'm sorry, your nephew AJ says hi. And for everything going on in the Steelers camp, it seems, hey, if you play the Steelers, we're rolling with you're going to suspend this. And if you're not playing the Steelers, it seems like we're just going to let ride. With everything going on, Their bye week was basically done earlier than expected. They didn't really have a bye week because there's all this protocol and everything else they have to follow through. With them playing on Wednesday, and even though it's extended to Monday, it's still going to be a shorter week. Now, I remember us talking about before week 18 was implemented that it's not possible to have more than two games in a week because of conditioning purposes. Right. You remember that conversation? Yeah, I do. I'm just very concerned about the Steelers team. And at this rate, if they all get out of this healthy, tell me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't this be a great Super Bowl line story? It kind of would be, just showing off all their endurance throughout a Really, really strange schedule. Very one-of-a-kind schedule. And then uh, with three rings, uh, I see Big Ben departing on a horse or something. (laughs) I mean, what a way to go out. I mean, the guy weighing retirement for, like, what, the last five years? Maybe not five, but, yeah, I've wondered if this was going to be his last year anyway. I think it's it's more than three because I remember when uh, Zach Rudolph was drafted, he was pissed. He's just like, oh, I got more years than me. I'm not going anywhere. What are you doing this for? Ego kicking in. So I want to say it's three or four years, five maybe, although it seems like a stretch. But regardless, I have, uh, as a Chiefs fan, I have a lot of respect going on for... Mike Tomlin, who should not have his job questioned. And, well, regardless of everything that could possibly go wrong, everything's going smoothly. For how long? That's anyone's guess. Tex, any thoughts? Anything else? Nope, that finishes it up for me. So on behalf of A.J. Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.